The Rice to Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by Touchstone Electric Fireplaces. Get 15% off your order with promo code TTP at zerodeadbirds.com. And DraftKings Sportsbook, get a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000 with promo code RTRS. And Kinetic Skateboarding, get 9.1% off your first order with promo code Dave Silver. On the show today, Brett Brown proves he's alive and speaks on Zoom with a uh, bunch of Brett Brownisms and another horrible story about one of the players. Um, we will go into the mailbag where someone asks about a potential process 30 for 30, gives us a list of things weirder than the Colangelo saga, and asks, what is the, what is the okay age to judge someone's bad takes? We'll have uh, Carl Landry Record Club. Sixers Adam lists his top 20 foods in existence. And the uh, half of the internet is furious at his top 20 foods. Also some questionable reasoning from Adam. Um, I have a game for Mike to play called JJ Reddick Poetry or Nephew Kyle Lyric. And we will revisit the band list. Um, without any further ado, here is Amos and the Chef. Welcome to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Gaskin, along with a guy who just before this podcast was throwing up because his back hurt so badly. That is Mike Levin. I did do that the, the morning after they traded, they drafted Okafor. That is not a <laughs> that is not a joke. That is not me trying. You really to be, threw up. I threw up onto myself. I had be- it, it was the only time in my life that I had a full blown migraine. I didn't know what was happening. Uh. I was Alyssa and I hadn't moved in together yet, so we were at my place. Um, okay. And uh, I like was looking at the computer for too late, just hoping that a trade would happen. I just my eyes didn't leave the screen really all day. I was still working at the grinder at the time, and mm-hmm. um, sometime in the morning, I'm looking at my phone and my head my head feels weird. I don't know. And all of a sudden, I just like get up and I'm like running to the bathroom because I feel weird and like dizzy, and I for some reason, go into the shower and kind of just like flailingly throw up on myself. Well, I'd like to uh, give my memory of that and first tell anybody that The Grinder was a TV show. My, not that there's anything wrong with the uh, the meeting people app for uh, intercourse, but he did not work at Grinder the app. He worked at The Grinder the show. Yeah, we got that. Um, yep. <laughs> and uh, I, re- I, was, I actually felt awful that I've, I've never physically felt more awful recording a podcast, first of all, because of what would happen. And by the way, leading up to this draft, if you weren't with us at the time, our giant fear the entire time was that they were going to take Jaleel Okafor and not trade him. Like that was our fear. And it was our worst fear realized. 
but I don't know if you remember this story, but my wife uh, decided that she was going to make, because I had this idea that I would invite people over for the draft. So she made a giant crock pot full of buffalo chicken dip. So this is when I learned that you can't just say, hey, if you want to come over to my, my house for the draft, do it, because then nobody will come. So I thought there were like three people from the radio station. I made the mistake of thinking that Ike Reese would go over the bridge from Jersey to PA twice in one day. That never happens. So I eat the entire crock pot of buffalo chicken dip by myself. Also, the draft doesn't finish until like midnight. I'm exhausted. So I'm in my basement. I was insisting that we had to wait until the end of the second round. I feel like something's going right. to happen, something else. And they did. They, I think they traded back to like 58 or something and took Tokido. Yeah, that I do remember that, wanting to start earlier. You wouldn't. And, of course, I get up early during the week. So I'm sweating in my basement full of buffalo chicken dip, angry at what the draft just happened. I, I would say if you go back and listen to that one, that one is definitely more depressing than the Hinky um, Resigns pod because the Hinky Resigns pod, we were angry, whereas the Jaleel Okafor draft, we were just sad trying to convince <laughs> try, trying to convince it that it wasn't over yeah so the reason i bring up throwing up because his back hurt so badly is that is one of the nuggets that Brett Brown shared in his uh, zoom press conference with the media I want to give Brett Brown credit in that you know the pr people are trying to limit how long these things go Brett Brown vowed to stay on as long as anyone had a question so um so that's good. This quote comes from Brett Brown, and it is via uh, Kevin Kincaid. Um, uh, so um, what's it called? Kevin Kincaid transcribed it, so credit to him. With Ben, for those of you who remember in Milwaukee, parentheses, when the injury happened, that was as disturbing a memory as it relates to a player as I can think of. He's lying on his back. He's vomiting primarily because of pain and trying to get him back on the plane and build him back up to some level of healthy so he can play basketball with us again. That timeline was always an interesting one. His health obviously ruled the day, but the effort he's put in, given where he was and the significance, he hurt, he hurt his back in a real way. And the effort he's put in under the restrictions on top of us, he is to be praised and applauded in a real way, in a significant way. The professionalism and discipline that he has shown, having that pass to get into the facility and rehab, he's teed off on that. He's been outstanding. It could be a little bit of silver lining in this pandemic, being able to get someone as important as Ben back on our team. He's vomiting primarily because of pain. Quote, that was as disturbing a memory as it relates to a player as I can think of. We are talking about a coach who had a first round draft pick almost die within the last uh, 13 months because he ate sesame seeds and he was allergic to them. But this uh, was a, a fact that we just learned. It just never ends. It just, this team, it just never ends. Yeah. I feel nothing. Um, I just keep this. This is what we do, man. We hear this shit. We learn about it sometimes in the moment, sometimes months later. And uh, we just keep on trucking. Because that's what being a Sixers fan is all about. Fun ride. Fun ride. 
throwing up because of pain. Now, me as someone who has had back problems in my life, um, I can understand that. It is without question the scariest, most debilitating, most painful thing ever. Um, I've had like I've two herniated discs, and it ends up being nerve pain, um, which is just the most shocking. It feels like you're being electrocuted. It's it's horrible. Uh, so I understand that. But as just Brett Brown's been in basketball for what forty years. I mean, holy cow! Um, another quote from Brett. He expects, if, if there is playoffs this year, he expects Joel Embiid to play 38 minutes a game. Um, I mean, seems optimistic, right? Uh, no, I mean, I would guess that that's about what he played in last year, last year's playoffs. In, in fact, more yeah. in, the, um, in the Toronto series. Or at least you mean about game. what he played as he looked like he was about to die and was crying after this? Sure. I mean, he was he was sick <laughs> in that instance. But, yeah. yeah, I think, like, that's that sounds... Okay, I guess last playoffs he played only 30 minutes per game, but maybe that's maybe it's dragged down by one game or something. Um, but, yeah, I, that, I mean, that's generally what you want. Like, he's your best player. You want that guy in there. You have a serviceable backup, so great. But, uh, yeah. I, you know, he played 45 in the last game, so. Yeah, 38 minutes a game is, I would say 38 minutes at its, like, peak, but hopefully the average is much less than 38 sure. minutes. yeah, that's, what, jo- I think that's, that's the goal. Yeah, jo- Joel Embiid is not lasting through an entire playoffs through the finals if he's playing 38 minutes a game. I think he's just not. Right. There's no way. Um Look, I'd play him 38 minutes the first three games to get him back into shape because I just they can tell me that he's been staying in shape all they want. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. Um, I, but I don't, I don't think there's, it's, this is obviously such an unprecedented situation that like, you just generally don't know who is like people might expect, yeah. like, Oh, Mike's probably yeah. staying in shape and they're wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there could be like Joel's in shape and like Josh Richardson needs like, you know, a month to get back in. Who knows? It's like that people's bodies are not used to this kind of layoff. Um, mm-hmm. And this kind of you know uh, enclosure. So he did he he did post a photo inside of I was I heard it I forget where I read it that it was in Michael Rubin's private gym. I think that was uh, some of Legs detective work. Oh, uh, was it Legs? Um, so you know um, yeah the, the the this sort of layoff right into playoffs is definitely unprecedented. They've been talking about a three week ramp up to playoffs now normally they have a three-week ramp up to the actual season but then they have the whole season to get back in and and think about this mike um i I know we've talked about how long this has been and we're at we're entering the ninth week of layoff but if you play until the finals mid-june and then camp starts at the end of september we're basically at the length of time at that length of time Right. So, um, you know, this is a significant layoff now. This is the layoff that some people have for an entire summer. So the opportunity to get out of shape, like you, you start losing cardiovascular health within a week. The opportunity to get out of shape is serious. And the the teams, the, the players who have stayed in shape have worked to stay in shape one way or another, whether it is an exercise bike or running or playing basketball will be rewarded 
if they come back and play because this three weeks is not enough time to get back into shape if you let yourself get out of shape. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I have, um, I have no idea. It's very bizarre. We talked about we talked about it more extensively last podcast, but the idea of like going first as a league, um, and who's going to like put themselves out there to do that. But it seems like, we you know, if it happens, which I'm not convinced it will, we, you know, we'll see some pretty bad basketball for a while. But I mean, yeah, uh, gyms are starting to open up. I think, mm-hmm. uh, Lake Lakers just opened up their gym for practice facility stuff. So yeah, I don't know. they. they I think Woj said they expected 22 of the 30 to be open by Monday. Obviously, the Sixers would not. Now, the you know the, the decision is going to have to be at some point if they do get an agreement to go back and, and New Jersey still doesn't allow them to do it, whether the Sixers decide to practice somewhere else. Pecom, baby. Um, yeah, Pecom. Uh, well, Phil, Southeastern PA is going to be fucking dead last, too. So maybe, honestly, if they know, if at that point they know where this playoffs is going to be, there's nothing stopping the Sixers from going and, and practicing there, you know, if, if they can't do it here. So we'll see what happens there. Mm-hmm. And the, the last thing that I noted, I don't, I don't know if there's anything else from the Brett Brown stuff that, that hit you, was he had a quote that, you know, we, we only had our starters for 19 out of 65 games. I think this team was built for the playoffs. It is, I do get a little joy out of Brett saying, like talking himself into the same shit that the fans talk themselves into. Yeah. Um, in that, my guess is, is that the Raptors and the Celtics also did not have the majority of their starters available for all like my my guess is, is that they were always missing a starter at some point too, mm-hmm. uh, but it is nice to see him. He answered this. There was a question about, hey, if we never come back, do you think about your job security? And he admitted that he does, but he went on to say this stuff, and I just thought it was funny to see him say the same shit that we do. Yeah, I mean it's it is a it's one of those things where, you know, it's kind of like if a fight, you know, you're in middle school or something like that, and you're like, okay, we're fighting after class. And yes. then, like, the teachers break it up, and it's like, I would have won. I would have won that fight, and I would have been fine. I was so excited to fight, actually. It was going to be really cool. Um, but the teachers, <laughs> yeah, sorry. So didn't happen. I, I I get it. I would be saying the same thing, and I and I do want Brett to see this through, and I don't think that Brett is the primary um, issue yeah. issue with this team and hasn't been mm-hmm. for, for years. Uh, all I mean, all of his tenure, really. But um, I think that certainly, as Brett identified, like could do a better job, could find a way to maximize Embiid and Simmons more, specifically Embiid, and uh, but you know having a, a more balanced lineup around him and having more shooters and guys that can handle the ball a little bit more would have you know obviously helped that a lot. You know, uh, I was on with uh, Joe and John on WIP, and they were asking me a bunch of stuff about this, and they said, "Hey, everyone returns healthy." Does the starting lineup have Shake Milton in it or Al Horford? And I hadn't thought about that in a while, but I was pretty sure it was going to be Shake Milton. Yeah. And then, and then I started to jump to, oh, are they going to do that funny thing where they announce Shake Milton as a forward, like they did with JJ Redick, so they can announce Ben Simmons as a point guard and not a forward? Um, and I started to get wrapped. I love getting wrapped up in that shit. Um, but it, it would be Shake, right? They would sh- start Shake Milton and not Horford. Got to be. And honestly, that that to me is the big, the biggest mistake of like the of the Brett tenure is not starting Shake sooner because like look how good he is. Obviously, he's yeah. not going to shoot fifty one percent from three for his career, but 
he did shoot 42% from three in college for three seasons and, you know, has little handle, has little um, burst to him and is long and so fucking play the guy. So I well, would, I'd I would, love to see him start. I uh, Just to, to hedge on that, to play devil's advocate, advocate because I don't know the answer, I would say that it is, you know, Shake's career here has been sort of, there's been injuries and whatever, and we have seen him play and look almost bad in summer league and preseason. So maybe having the time to sit on the bench and watch and work on his game for that time made it more possible for him to be who he ended up being when we saw him. So of course, we'll of never course. know the answer but to it that. It was one of those, so. like, you know, he, he was in the rotation at the beginning of this season and then he got hurt pretty mm-hmm. quick. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then it took him a while to get, you know, they told him he's out of the rotation. They took him a while to get back in. Um, while he's playing, like, you know, guys that were clearly pretty ineffective. Um, mm-hmm. So, but I, yeah, love Shake. Ha- happy he's here. Sign him forever. The Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by Touchstone Home Products, Touchstone Electric Fireplaces right there in Exton, PA. Um, so, Mike, regardless of, of where you live, right now in the country. And obviously some parts of the country opening up sooner than others right here in Southeastern PA uh, feels like it'll be one of the last. One would imagine over the next several months, maybe over the next year, people are gonna spend more time at home, right? For sure. I mean, I know I will, I know you will. So if you're gonna spend more time at home, now is a good time to make sure that your home like, feels the way you want it to, looks cool. You're, 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 you're energized by how you feel when you're at home. And a electronic fireplace from Touchstone Fireplaces is going to do that. It's going to make your fucking house look baller. Whether it's your, do people say baller? I'm sorry. I don't um, think they say it anymore. No. I'm so sorry. I'm I'm the older right. one of the no, podcast. No, it's all right. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, I'm trying to get across that if if this is in your living room, if this is in your den, if this is in your basement, it's going to forget about the the warmth that it produces, as it does produce produce warmth. It's going to make it feel warm. It's going to make it feel like home. Um, that's what they do. And and it doesn't matter what the size of your room is or what kind of house you have. They have sizes from 36 inches wide to 100 inches wide. Um, and the best part is it doesn't have any of the work that a, uh, a like a natural real fireplace um has a real fireplace you got to go over every two minutes and like with the metal pole and poke at the wood to make sure the fire's still going you end up with ash right there in the whatever room you're in right in front of it you got to clean up the ash so there and there's no this thing there's no smell yeah there's no and also that's bad for your lungs terrible for your lungs bad for the environment this is great for the environment what what a little massage for your lungs yeah, and, and think about this. Is Has there ever been a time when you wanted things to be good for your lungs more than right now? This is a good time for it. Yeah. So, uh, and I said, the, the best part about the Touchstone Electric Fireplace, as somebody who has had a real fireplace and refuses to use his current real fireplace, zero dead birds. You don't have to worry about dead birds in the chimney. You think that's not a real thing, but it is a real thing. At least I say it is. Uh, easy to install, and they are shipping right now. You order it, shipping's quick. You'll have your um, even if, if if you're outside of this area, if you're even if you're across the country, you're going to have your electronic fireplace in two to three days, max. Go to zerodeadbirds.com, zerodeadbirds.com, and use promo code uh, TTP for fifteen percent off your order. Um, 
All their customers love them. We've heard from their customers. You can go to the gallery on the website at zerodeadbirds.com. Um, and if you have any questions, they're there. Customer service is live, whether it is chat on the site or on the phone or through email. They're ready to help you out. So uh, Touchstone Electric Fireplaces, no mess, looks cool, uh, maybe baller if you still use that word. Um, your lungs are in better shape. Zero dead birds. Zerodeadbirds.com, promo code TTP, pr uh, Touchstone Electric Fireplaces. Back to the Ricky. Uh, so I, I wanted to go on to, you know, we're all adjusting. The podcast is adjusting to there not being any basketball for two months. I feel like we've done a, a good job. We've had some fun. We've gotten good feedback. Uh, Andrew Unterberger has just made pretend that the season is still continuing. And then there's Sixers Adam, who is the youngest member of the Ricky staff and um, is trying to adjust to, you know, how do I write every week uh, to support, you know, the sponsor who is sponsoring him, Adam Kasabi, the Process Realtor, processrealtor.com. And I've been bugging him for about three or four. Adam, Sixers Adam notoriously says, I'm, quote, I'm not a food guy. I don't like food. Yet he still has these pretty scorching food takes. Like at one point he said, macaroni and cheese does not seem like something that should be together. It's a bad combination. Um, so I've been harassing Adam for about three weeks over text to write an article with his top 50 foods. And he's like, but this isn't interesting. I don't like food. And I said, Adam, I'm telling you, this is interesting. So somebody who doesn't like food. So finally, through enough pressure and a Twitter poll, um, I got him to write, I got him to agree to write his top 50 foods. He texted me back probably like an hour later saying I got to 12 or 13 and I, I had to stop because I couldn't think of any other foods that I liked. This is not gonna be 50. So he came up with the top 20 foods that he likes. And we posted on rightsdrickysanchez.com last night. I will say that between 10 p.m. on Friday night and 11.32, on, uh, 11.32 a.m. on Saturday morning, it is the most clicked on piece of content on our website for the last 30 days <laughs> in 12 hours. So he ranked his top 20 foods. I would like to throw some of his foods by you and some of the quotes just to get your, your response. But first of all, your response to somebody, quote, not being a food guy. Respect it. <laughs> I've never heard the take before. Have you ever heard from somebody that does not like, like food? No. As a general... No, this is the first, this is the first one. I, I've heard people that be like, not claiming to be a foodie, feeling like they have like pretty basic tastes or like trash mm -hmm. tastes in food, whatever, but yep. never someone that straight up just like doesn't like it. It's <laughs> only fuel to them. This is honestly like, you know, the teenager version of, of like Hinky wearing only having one suit in his closet. <laughs> well, that, that was going to be my point to Adam. I've said on the podcast a number of times, like, I like eating the same exact thing every day. I eat the same exact thing for breakfast and lunch every single day, and I am happy with that. Uh, but I don't even think he likes food enough to do that. That seems like too much effort. Anyway, he ranked his number one food in the entire world as cantaloupe. His reasoning, 
cantaloupe is not only the best fruit, and there is zero case for there being any other fruit, but is the single best food for, of all time. Here is my favorite line. Yes, it can be hard to find, but to me, that adds to the value of the cantaloupe experience. Have you ever, in your, you're 30 years old, ever in your 30 plus years, heard someone describe cantaloupe as, quote, <laughs> hard to find, <laughs> hard to find? <laughs> it's... The cantaloupe, the header image being a cantaloupe is just leering at me, just like a huge <laughs> cantaloupe staring me right in the face, daring me to say something about it. Well, I couldn't go do, we have a subscription to Getty Images, but it's fucking only for basketball. So I couldn't find any food images. So I had to go to Adobe Stock and I went right to cantaloupe. Cantaloupe is not hard to find, is it? It has to, I'm sure it's seasonal, but it's not hard to find. Yeah, seasonal. Um, number two is cheese whales. Something I've never he heard said, of before. I've never heard of anymore. It seems like it is, so I... I'm thinking about it, and I think cheese whales are like a goldfish, but it has a cheese powder on it in addition to it being cheese-flavored. He says, imagine this. You're eating goldfish, but instead of the goldfish being absolutely horrible, they taste amazing. Now you have cheese whales. He really paints a um, picture with his words, this guy. Yep. Yeah. Number three is plain Cheerios. Um, he says all other forms of Cheerios are disgusting. Number four and five are both cookies. Now, here's something interesting. He has black and white cookies and, and sugar cookies. Now, this is his fourth best food of all time. Has half chocolate icing. And he says, quote, chocolate is bad. I want to watch. I want a stream of Adam eating. But I don't want him to know that it's happening. I don't want him to be, like, performative. I just want to watch him. What, how, what, looks, what he looks like when he... It's a meal, or even a snack, or anything at all. Does his face do anything, that, or is he just miserable, just suffering through it? I think a bit that would be interesting for me for our Instagram is Sixers Adam eats a new food, a video, and we see his reaction to the new food. Um, I, I just, how is your fourth best food half of it you don't fucking like? Um, number six is pretzels. The money quote in here is, quote, I would never eat a soft pretzel in a million years. Insane. <laughs> Offensive. <laughs> Just the thin, crunchy ones. Um, I don't want to give the whole thing away, but I will say that by the end... As far as running out of steam goes, he runs out of steam by about two, but yeah. he continues to just sputter to the exit the entire time, and by the end he's really you know, dismissive of his entire premise. <laughs> number, number 17 is apples apples quote here's look here's the difference between being what adam is a not food guy and me i could rank my top 10 kinds of apples with number 17 he goes apples here's where things get tough i don't really eat apples that often i'm honestly not the biggest fan but I'm grasping at straws at this stage. They're good when they're sweet, question mark. Um, and then finally, his number 20 is bananas. I'll be honest, I don't like bananas. This one isn't even a stretch, it's just a lie and probably my cue to stop. End of article. 
Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing after that. No, no summary. That's how it ends. <laughs> There's not. There's not a wrap up about what, um, you know, a unifying theory or or whatever. Um, boy, I thank Adam for trusting me. You know what? What I try to tell Adam is that anybody can write about the Sixers, <clears throat> but only Sixers Adam can be Adam. So um, I thank Adam for giving in. To see the whole list, go to writestorickysanchez dot com. Um, <laughs> Wild stuff. Just I, look for the picture of the cantaloupe. Yeah, and and if it feels like the cantaloupe's eyes are watching you, like Mona Lisa, <laughs> they are. It's very true. I have a quick thing before we get into the next thing. Um, yeah. I, Kristen nicely put in the newsletter that uh, you, you should watch Perfect Harmony because we're still on the bubble as far as pickup goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are still there. Basically, the pandemic has um, made it so that like networks don't feel the need to make any decisions about what shows are coming back. Which is just sort of frozen. Yeah. So it was supposed to be this week and where there's a chance where like maybe it will come out like late Friday night, which sometimes happens. But only CBS has picked up the shows, uh, has renewed the series that they are doing. Pilots are kind of fucked for everybody. But in terms of like Mm -hmm. series coming back, there's there's ABC, NBC and and Fox have a lot that that are like still in the bubble. So Perfect Harmony is one of them. That is the show that I wrote for uh, last season, uh, the first season of it. Um, and it's a really light, nice show. It's all on Hulu or NBC.com. So just look, watch it or put it on. Um, it's really nice. I wrote episode seven, uh, which is called Rivalry Week, which is uh, one of my favorite episodes of the season. The finale is also excellent. It made uh, both Alyssa and I cry. Um, it's a really nice show. And they're singing. And it's funny. Bradley Whitford's very funny. Anna Camp, a bunch of funny people. Um, so watch it. And if you've already seen it and you just want to, like, put it on in the background of something, I would appreciate that. Um, let's muscle me getting a job <laughs> during a pandemic uh, through this thing, if we don't mind. Well, it's, it's a good opportunity for if you're a network, you're like, well, we can gain even more information than we had before, before we make a decision. So watch Perfect Harmony. And look, if you like it, you like it. If you don't happen to like it. No one's stopping you from streaming it while you're doing something else. Oh, such a nice show to put on while you're folding laundry. Right. In another no room. No one's stopping you. No one's stopping you. And th- there are, you could watch it on Hulu. You could watch it on NBC.com, right? You yeah. can just go to the NBC website. Yeah. Just Google. Uh, I think what Kristen did was <laughs> just Google um, Watch Perfect Harmony. And there are, <laughs> what, all of the options are right there on um while we speak of, uh, of um, media, I guess, you're going to have another... F- so normally we do our Carl Landry um, Record Club reviews on Sundays, but normally we get the record on Sundays too. This time we got the record on Wednesday because we let Ma- uh, Matt from Mount Joy pick it. So you will have until Wednesday to listen to the Carl Landry Record Club selection. It is Maggot Brain from Funkadelic. I will tell you, as somebody who has spent the last couple of days listening to it, I, I'm preliminarily telling you this one is worth listening to as somebody who did not, f- was kind of bummed when Matt said it, fucking listen to it. So you have until Wednesday to listen to Maggot Brain from Funkadelic, um, Maggot Brain from Funkadelic. I know you say you so, don't care about it, but do you want to spend 13 seconds talking about Vasily Micic maybe coming over? Sure. So Sixers Adam, while he was... 
um, writing before his food writing career, <laughs> wrote about uh, Vasilia Micic. Micic um, I googled it. Vasilia Micic coming potentially. There was a rumor from somebody. I forget who it was. Said that he is interested in coming over this year. Yeah, uh, one of now, the best international players right now in the world. Right. Yeah. Stats are fucking bananas right now. Drafted by Hinky in 2014 in the NBA draft. Right. Right. And he's about 30, right? Uh, no, I would say 27. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. Let me check. Um, he, so theoretically, so the reason that, one thing that could keep him overseas. He's 26. Just thinking about, 26, there you go. One thing that could keep him overseas, thinking about this now, is that if there are, Forgetting about significant cap ramifications, which there are, there are already significant revenue ramifications for NBA teams. So if he can make more money, significantly more money overseas, he might do that. Mm -hmm. But if he were, because remember, he is not, he was drafted in the second round, so he's not beholden to any scale. Right. They they have to, the Sixers have his rights, but they have to negotiate a contract. Mm -hmm. Which is what happened with... Uh, Nikola Mirotic as well, a couple years back. Right, right. Um, so I guess I would say, and, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, all I've watched is uh, YouTube on Mirotic and look at his stats. He seems like the, he seems perfect, actually. So he seems like exactly what they need. He's a, a good passer, a great ball handler, a really good shooter. Like I, I think he shot like 98% from the free throw line this year or something. His, his, uh, his f- shot had 41% like took a, from three. Yeah, his shot took a while for years to come along. That was kind of the, the book, on, the knock on him was that he, he couldn't really shoot, but it's, it's definitely come along lately. Um, really good passer. Kind of that just like floor general type. Um, I would get like you know I I look at him and it's, there seems to be some like you know somewhere between like Grievous Vasquez and like Kendall Marshall except just like generally better. Um, I've I've always been intrigued by him. He's, he's big. He's like six five as a as a point guard, which the Sixers obviously are are horned up for. Um, I don't think that there's a chance that he ever plays for the Sixers. Um, Oh, really? I think that, yeah, money-wise, cap-wise, I just don't... It doesn't seem to be possible. It seems like he can make more money either staying there or elsewhere. So I, I wonder if it's a... That, you know, him as a trade sweetener in a, you know, Josh or Tobias maybe or or a Horford trade. I, I really can't see a world where he agrees to the amount of money that the Sixers like are able to pay him. Uh, well, especially the Sixers at, at this point. Now, the Sixers, um, with the you think about the, uh, you, you think about the, uh, the what's it called? The um, the name of this podcast could trade his rights absolutely for somebody whose salary was already determined. So maybe that's possible. Somebody who has more cap space and willing to pay him. But yeah, um, I, I think it'll be as a sweetener type thing. Maybe I mean maybe you could trade him for you know. A pick. I mean, if you, if say, yeah. if you want like the 20th pick or something like that, you could trade him for, for Mitchich and then you can fit that under the cap. Um, but yeah, I would guess that they're probably dangling him. It's kind of a nice, it was kind of a nice gift for the Sixers, honestly, because mm-hmm. if you're looking at their, you know, what they can throw in to entice teams and, uh, and to take Horford, you know, you're looking at Sacramento, maybe 
if Utah wants to trade Gobert somewhere, then like you know Horford could go there in a, in a th- three-team trade. A um, couple other places, maybe Chicago or something. Um, uh, Sixers Adam obviously before he was a food writer wrote about a bunch of possible destinations. <laughs> um, I think it's the, you look at like okay, do, do we want to add Shake to it? Do we want to add Matisse? Uh, Zaire, how much value does he have? And you, look, you start to think about like, well, Shake is really nice here and very cheap for a while. Matisse, they obviously love. Zaire, I don't think, as much as I love Zaire, I don't think his, he, he's given you much value on the trade market right now. Yeah, um, I think he's like a second round, high second round pick type of sweetener. That would be my guess. So I think Mitch is just kind of like the, has a little like Dario-esque, you know, place in this thing. So I think I think there's a world where where if if some team is scouting him and really falls in love with him, Sixers play their cards cards close to the vest a little bit, which they're famous for doing. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, and and add him to overtrade and, and it feels good. So I, I think that's a is a really nice like kind of forgotten about relic of the Hinky era that we just drafted this guy had his rights for years. Um, there, I remember you know Matt Carey as far back as Liberty Ball was writing like Mitchich articles and stuff. And like Rich Hoffman for Liberty Ball is checking in on him, so it's been a while. It's been six years of this, so um, to benefit from a from a vestige of a hinky trade would be would be pretty nice at this point. Yeah, we could take another victory lap. We haven't done enough of it's, that. And honestly, I my legs are sore from the lack of lapping I've been doing. Right. Yeah, it, it would be good given everyone's been in their homes for so long to get out, do a little victory <laughs> lapping. <laughs> Um, so the next thing I want to do is play a game with you. And I'd like to thank Killacow for alerting me to the possibility of this game. My, the game was my idea, but without him, I wouldn't have been able to do the research. And we'll make this game brought to you by uh, Kinetic Skateboarding, who, by the way, I don't know who won game five in Sixers Bucks yet. It's sitting in drafts. Um, AU wrote it, but I, I haven't gotten there yet. Sixers, so, Sixers won game a, four, right? They did. They won game four. They, they fucking dominated. They blew them out in game four. So, um, congratulations to Kinetic Skateboarding. Uh, the city of Wilmington has signed a contract for a skate park with Grindline Skate Parks on the build. construction built goes uh, into uh, effect this summer. Um, also, if you, even if you're not a skateboarder, go to Kinetic Skateboarding. You can get limited release sneakers like the, um, the Nike SB Ben & Jerry's Chunky Dunkies which I, I guess are fucking really in demand that they get shit like this. Um, and I'm going to order a pair of those camo shorts today. So use promo code Dave Silver for 9.1% off your first order. So I have a game. It's called Nephew Kyle Rap Lyric or JJ Reddick Poetry. I am going to give you a couple of lines of prose. And you have to identify whether this line of prose comes from Bill Simmons' nephew Kyle's rap songs or poetry that J.J. Reddick wrote. (laughs) Are you ready to play the game? I guess. (laughs) So I want to say, I was trying to think of a way to give this away, and this would be great. If you want a chance to play this game for... Um, the Brandywine Valley SPCA is doing this thing called Zoomies where you can pay. So everybody has these Zoom meetings all the time and they have Zoom happy hours. You can pay them 30 bucks and they will put a, a puppy 
on one of the screens, like a live playing puppy for 15 minutes, which seems amazing just to spring on somebody um, or to do it to lighten things up, as we could see from the uh, from our Zoomathon. Um, so I have one of these to give away. If you would like to play nephew Kyle rap lyric or JJ Reddick poetry, maybe I'll do it live on Twitter at some point or we can do it on Zoom. Just tweet us or email us two lines of your poetry or rap. Write rickysanchez at gmail.com or just tweet it at us. Um, you will get to play at home. But Mike, I want you to play right here. So here's the first one. This is confirmed nephew Kyle rap or JJ Reddick poetry. Here I am, so you know I'm really at it. Coming back from the dark room, so you know I'm about to act a savage. That's nephew Kyle. That is nephew Kyle. Ding, ding, ding. So wait, JJ Reddick read poetry on his podcast? No, he wrote poetry and it is documented somewhere. I don't want to give people the... Um, I'm sure they could find it, but it is confirmed J.J. Reddick poetry. Okay. Like, he is a known poet. Sure. Okay. Number two. Mike is one for one so far. Life and death matters. This ain't no game. It's mind over matter. The power of my brain. That's J.J. Two for two. Yeah. It is JJ. Life and death matters. This ain't no game. It's mind over matter. The power of my brain. All right. Number three. I have five for you, total. You're like hunting into his like elementary school backpack and finding things to like keep the feud going. I want to say I have not looked for any of these things. Mm -hmm. They have come to me. I'm only inspired by the poems of Nas because the truth has carved my life's patterns. The reality of pain, the joy of laughter, my hopes and dreams shattered. I think I can hear JJ's voice saying Nas. I think this is JJ. It is JJ. Oh. Holy shit, you're three for three. I thought the inspired by the poems of Nas might help you. Um, but I do like the way that he took Nas, who is a rapper, and just call them poems to legitimize his poetry. Okay, number four, my three of three so far. Hey, the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by, as sports start to return in drips and drabs, it's brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, where not only can you enjoy sports, but you can enjoy betting your money on sports. That's right. Uh, the official sportsbook of the Ricky, of course, in PA. Now, coming up, uh, not... Uh, right now, but next weekend is uh, a huge golf, um, I don't know if we're allowed to say the actual golf thing. Two huge golf people are going against each other. I think we could say their first names. The, the benefit um, is that I don't know. So calling it a golf thing is, I think, <laughs> does the So El Eldrick is one guy versus uh, Phil is the other guy. Mm, is that happening? Yeah, it's happening next weekend. Didn't know. Yeah. Yeah, huge. And they're not, they are playing, they're not playing for money. They're just playing so everyone can watch. But you at home can use DraftKings Sportsbook to make money on it. So you'll make more than Eldrick or Phil. Um, DraftKings Sportsbook and Casino, America's top rated sportsbook app. Um, we have a, a sign up offer right now. 
worth up to $1,000. Just use promo code RTRS. To, uh, to make that Eldrick versus Phil thing more fun, they have prop bets throughout the event. You can even bet on each hole if you want to. You can bet on specific player props. Um, so as sports start to return like this, DraftKings Sportsbook is there for you. Of course, you can bet on UFC. You can bet on uh, Korean baseball, um, table tennis. So I mentioned they have a casino in there now. And I, I thought I was only going to play the blackjack once so I could talk about it. But I play it every other day. And uh, I won't tell you about the days that I lose, but I will tell you yesterday that I withdrew $180 from a win. How about it? They, come on, man. 180 bucks for a win. And the thing about DraftKings Sportsbook, it's super easy to withdraw money. Um, I did it. So I hit the withdraw thing uh, on Thursday. And Friday morning, I had a note from my bank saying that the the money was in there. So um, that's the thing. You're, you're working with DraftKings. It's a great app. It's the highest rated sportsbook app. They It's easy to deposit. It's easy to withdraw. And they're friends of the Ricky. And you can bet on fucking everything going. If you want to bet on sports, you bet on sports. If you want to do the casino, do the casino. Download the top rated DraftKings sportsbook app right now and use code RTRS when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. DraftKings has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Don't forget, use code RTRS and get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000 only on DraftKings Sportsbook and Casino. I would love for them, for people to be able to bet on how well I bet, like on how successful I'd be at Blackjack. Hmm. Bet on that, maybe odds on that. I don't that's know. Fun. I don't know if that's legal, but I'll I'll check with them. Another dumb idea. I send DraftKings Sportsbook three times a week. Must be twenty one or older. Pennsylvania only in partnership with Meadows Racetrack and Casino and Hollywood Casino at Penn National Racecourse. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to five hundred dollars. Deposit bonus requires twenty five times playthrough restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, call one eight hundred gambler. Got that mostly good. Um, back to the Ricky. As if it wasn't, wait, as if I wasn't coming back for more, back to climb the ladder more, more settled than ever before. Nephew Kyle. <laughs> Nephew Kyle. Mike is four for four. And finally, here we go. Number five. My life story is read in poetic stages. I was once weak-minded, now I'm courageous. The cause and effect of a thousand actions, the mathematical breakdown of micro-fractions. Oh, this is tough. <laughs> I'm going to say Nephew Kyle. Four for five, ah. that is J.J. Raddick. <laughs> tough way to go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Way to go. So uh, tweet at us or send us an email. Just give us two lines, something that rhymes. You can play uh, to get dogs in your Zoom. Okay, time for the mailbag. Uh, it's been a while since we've hit the mailbag. You have been sending us a lot of stuff, so uh, it's about time for us to uh, to catch up. Send us the emails at writes at gmail.com. Remember, half basketball, half not basketball. You can do it in one question or two. Uh, this comes from Kyler. 
Hi, Spike and Mike. Since we're now in the off-season, I thought of an interesting idea for the pod. In the past, there's been a lot of bannings and unbannings. I'd be interested in to go over a list of everyone who is currently banned and what they could do, if anything, to get unbanned. For example, in a recent episode, Mike mentioned that Howard Eskin was the first to be banned from the pod. Is there anything he could do to become unbanned? Mike really Mike mentioned that uh, make him an offer is where it uh is where it sits. Also, thank you both for stay, helping us stay sane during these times, even if my decision to stay sane is fretting over the banning system that is currently in place. Here's who I have as currently banned. Bill Simmons, Kevin O'Connor, Danny Chow, Howard Eskin, the person who is secret banned, Doris Burke, Andrew Sharp, Ben Golliver, and I believe you banned Anna Horford? Did you ban her? I don't think we so. We had to discuss. I don't think we did. Okay. So she was on the, on the bubble, I think. The only person that I believe has been banned for life was when I banned Bill Simmons for life, when I gave him the month warning after he, he said the name, and then he didn't, and I banned him for life. Yeah. Danny, um, who, I, who I love, uh, was mm-hmm. banned for becoming a sudden Toronto fan and then leaving us for Toronto, mm-hmm. um, which, which hurt me personally. Um, Kevin O'Connor is sharp, has, wasn't sharp on the podcast. Well, so is Kevin O'Connor. I mean, how many of these people have? <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I thought it was lifted uh, for him. I guess we, it was lifted and reinstated. Is that the deal? Yes. Yeah. For Sharp, we lifted and reinstated. I assume Kevin O'Connor, who we had about a week or two into the um, the quarantine. I believe the ruling was not that he was unbanned, but that he was lifted and reinstated. Uh, Kevin has, has been banned twice. He was banned for his saying that he would vote for Al Horford over Embiid. He was in the, unbanned. In the game. Yes. And then he was re-banned when he went on a Ingram over Simmons tangent. Yeah. Enough Howard enough, Eskin. Kevin. Yeah. Howard Eskin banned originally. For uh, a secret years band. of sin. Decades of sins from Howard Eskin. Yep. From, from, from yep. against me personally and my ears as a young child growing up in Philadelphia. Uh, secret band person, we, we, we can't really talk about that, but I could say that there's <laughs> very little chance of this person becoming unbanned. I will say, and I've very rarely given a hint, and I think you could agree. I don't think, I think you, should you would probably agree with this. I don't think you should. Can I just say this one thing? And I'll edit it out if you think it's too much. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think people would be stunned. Yeah. Can I leave that in? Sure. Okay. Doris Burke is banned because she, when we were in Milwaukee for Fly the Process, she has followed and still follows the rights Ricky Sanchez on Twitter. We DM'd her all of the information about why we were there. She talked about why we were there on the broadcast, but never said the name of the podcast. Yeah. So she became banned for that. I do love Doris, but that is, that's a tough, tough offense. It, I, I think it's fair. I, I, I know you like her, but I think it was. A, I don't think it was an unfair banning. Uh, Sharp banned for being a fuckhead, and then Ben Golliver banned for putting Jay Crowder over Covington. Uh, I believe is what it was. But, but, yeah, by like thirty spots, we <laughs> eviscerated him when he came on the pod, and then banned him. <laughs> so stupid. Yeah, I don't know. I think these are all. They have a like a a lifespan. I I, I don't know. I. 
I don't, I, I don't think I could say that anyone could do anything specifically to become unbanned. It's kind of like you know it when you see it. Right. Do you feel differently? No, that's right. Yeah. This comes from Ben. I mean this is no insult, but I regularly put on Ricky's segments heavy in basketball discussion as a way to distract me from my general anxiety, especially lately as I attempt to fall asleep at night. It, it works well. I White usually noise. go back and listen. Yeah, I usually go back and listen, even though pure on-the-court basketball discussion is the least interesting part of the podcast, which is, I think, what makes it great. We hate the Sixers. Here's our bas- his basketball question. Wouldn't we actually be relieved for the NBA season to officially end, or would it leave the door open for some of the more some more of the poor same same poor management from top down of this painfully silly ass team. And I think we talked about this a little bit with Matt sure. from Mount Joy. Um, you know whether whether we feel bad. I I would ask you this: if the Sixers came back and lost in the first round, there would be a positive to that in that. There's a better chance that somebody, from, like that, that there's a front office overhaul, right? I, or or I, no? Yeah, I have no idea. I, I don't right. Know. Um, yeah. If we lost in the first round, I would be still carrying around my Yahoo championship. Um, <laughs> that we were, which that, means more. Which, is, which, de- which definitely exists. Um, yep. Yeah, I mean, it's. I miss the Sixers. I, I miss watching them play. I miss Shake and. Uh, the young guys a lot. I, I I I don't really miss. Obviously, Embiid and Simmons are incredible, but I don't really miss the like discussions of whether they fit together or if Embiid is you know well conditioned and all that stuff. Or watching Horford trying to fit in there kind of clunkily, although he did start to get comfortable towards the last couple of weeks, seemingly. Um, yeah. I, I do miss them. I miss playing a lot more than I miss watching the Sixers because there's still, you know, I'll just turn on like an old game if I really, you know, want something. And I, and I think uh, Last Dance has sort of scratched that itch a little bit in terms of just watching mm-hmm. something. But I really, I really miss playing. But um, yeah, I don't. This all throws everything in disarray. Like I think if the Sixers lost in the first round this season, then Brett would almost certainly be gone. But maybe a front office would you know stay together and if it yeah. if, you know if they go deep into the f- into the playoffs you know Eastern Conference finals um and maybe Brett does keep his job but maybe they're still like this is why you know it's still clunky enough that it was you know say it was all on the back of Embiid and Simmons I I don't think you can look at um the Horford situation and be like well that was the right trade or that was the right signing rather and and it's just Brett hasn't found a way to make it work, and it, right. it, everybody else would have made it work. Um, it just—it's very clearly like not a good fit. The wrong. Al- although I do, you know, again, that this is this is the crux of where the built for the playoffs comes in. Is that like Horford is is at least the best backup center in the league, um, even at this stage in his career. So, um, I could I could see that like looking better on the B side in the playoffs rather than like, you know, a long season of like trying to fit them in together. If if they only play like, you know, five, ten minutes a game. Horford plays like say twenty minutes a night in the playoffs. Um and you give the rest of that time to the to, you know, Shake or 
all those other guys that can do a little bit more with the ball. Not to split hairs, because I was actually going to say, uh, and I will get to this, that you you have convinced me of something, and I've come to the other side. Um, maybe Derek Favors, if you it, he does play backup five minutes, is probably he, he's, a star- equal. he's a starter. Oh, is yeah. he? Um, they do have like favors at five lineups though, because I know I've seen. Yeah, he starts at, starts at the five. Wait a my, minute, how am I my confused? Pelicans. Oh, right, 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 right. Well, now he does starts at the five. Mm-hmm. Well, wasn't Okafor starting at the five for a while? Favors then, was hurt and Zion was out. There was okay. some okay. some of that, but you know when they're healthy, okay. it's Zion favors sure. it's a four or five. Okay, um, and then uh, an- the thing that I've come around on, I. That is the I'd rather they succeed this offseason because originally my take was I'd rather they fail because then there's a better chance that we have um, a front office, complete front office replacement. But the odds that they will replace the entire front office and not just fire the coach are so slim yeah. that that I would rather they just succeed. And like at, at this point, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I've I've I know the. <laughs> I don't know if people ever believe that we naturally disagree on as many things as we do. I think if you listen enough, you'll, you'll hear plenty of things that we agree on. We just don't talk that much about them. Um, but I've come to your side on that one. Yeah. I, um, it takes me a while for like, I've obviously rooted against the Sixers before. Uh, I think most, I don't want to say famously, but it, it, in terms of crafting the kind of person I am in the 2012 run, uh, the Doug Collins, uh, where they beat the Bulls uh, after Noah and Derrick Rose went out um, and then lost to the Celtics. I have no problem rooting against Sixers when I feel like it's pointless, when I feel like it's it's detrimental. But the Sixers, again, like have guys that can lead us to a championship, so I just want them to succeed because they, I think, every every time that they get closer, it's a building block towards them actually like becoming legitimate title contenders and hopefully winning one or two. Uh, his Ben's non-basketball question, what art form different from either screenwriting in the case of Mike or being a <laughs> being a media mastermind and pad- podcasting extraordinary? It doesn't say that. You just Spike. wrote that about yourself. That's, great. I, that's fucking bullshit. You know it says it. I, I just did. I would have replaced it if I, did, if I had thought about it. Um, uh, in the case of Spike, has most influenced or spi- inspired... This is an interesting con. Uh, question influenced or inspired your primary content creation this could be music film books graphic art really anything that pushed you to create in the way that you do and yes i have a wide view of art and believe so many things qualify so of course i think podcasting and sports radio content are a form of art in addition to screenwriting uh, and painting and music and whatever the hell do you have an answer to this Mm, probably music um I, I read some books, but probably not as much as I should, although I just ordered from a, a bunch of books on Mike Weber's suggestion uh, from an indie book site, which you should, everybody, if you guys are buying books, you should use an, like IndieBound to find local independent bookstores yes. near you. Um, don't buy them from Amazon. Yeah, don't do Look, it. I would rather you buy the book than not buy the book, but there are plenty of them. There's that fucking store in Portland that has a million uh, books Powell's. that I went to that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Cool. and. Um, yeah. yeah, I would say, but I would probably say music. I think that makes you like, you know, it. You don't really, really re- revisit a book that much, you know. Even if you reread it, it's still like 
you know, you're not experiencing it multiple times. A song is such an easy thing to, or an album is such an easy thing to like revisit like quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that puts me in in a mindset if I want to write something a certain way. So I'd, I'd probably say books or music. I would definitely say music. I, I love, I, this is sort of unfair in that I know a lot of people who listen to the pod don't think of me this way because it was a different time. But I, like the first 15 years of my career were in music radio and I would say I love music more than any art form. Um, I, I wish I was talented doing it because I love it so much. Um, and I would say that I don't know. But it's asking you, like the question is, is asking you like, does like what does music inspire, you know, so talk, here's, sports talk yes. radio? It, it, here's here's where I would say it does in a very basic way. The opportunity to make somebody uh, excited or happy or interested with um, something that you create is what I love about music. The, like, the, the reason I want to get into radio, and this is this is like sort of the tie-in. The reason I wanted to get into radio is I loved playing songs for people that I liked that I thought they would like too. So, you know, like one of my favorite moments in um, working in music radio is when I moved to Chicago and you know, I was assistant program director and I got to tell the program director we should add Jack's Mannequin. We should add this song, Dark Blue, that nobody was playing, um, but I thought was great. I thought Andrew McMahon and Jack's Mannequin was great. And we got to do it and we were a part of making people like it. And I think that thing about um, telling somebody, you should listen to this, is, is the thing, is, is the part of music that I could have because I, you know, I play guitar poorly and can't sing. So I think that sort of thing about making somebody feel something is what I love about music. Now, that's also what I love about movies and um, I don't really watch much TV, but that's what I love about movies. But music, as you said, music is surrounding me all the time. Like music is, is a daily part of my day and screen and movies and, and television are not. So um, I love music. I'm a, I'm a, so that, that's, that's what I would say the connection is, is just the ability to make somebody feel something. Um, this comes from Dan. Um, hope you gents are faring well during this crazy time. Two pods ago, you guys brief, briefly mentioned the concept of a 30 for 30 on the process. We've mentioned that I a thousand times. Yes. <laughs> and it's always come along with the threat of if we're not included, somebody's going to fucking die. Correct. And that's why his, 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 uh, his question is interesting. And they will. They will die if that happens. I, too, have dreamt up scenarios of what an ESPN doc would look like given their slanderous attitude toward the Sixers during the process, uh, which turned a new cheek once the team, quote, got good. My question is two-part. Personal bias aside, how much airtime do you think the Ricky would get during the 30 for 30, i.e., would you both get interview time or would the Ricky just be a fleeting concept uh, discussed during the doc? So you're first. There, there are two 30 for 30s right now. If we say there's a 30 for 30, there is the movie or the, the TV show and there's a podcast series obviously a podcast series allows for one episode that's about the fan base that we are heavily featured in um, if it's a TV show well, what do you think? Uh, I think it depends on who does it mm -hmm. um, I don't think that we need to be that 
if you know, say it's a, say it's just a, a classic thirty for thirty movie, uh, you know, hour and mm-hmm. forty five minutes. Um, I don't think we need you know a couple minutes. Give us like two minutes and let us uh, be interview subjects a couple times. That's all. Yeah, I think the I think obviously his Hinky's fan base would be a enormous part of the story. Because eventually we ended up getting him fucking fired because we were such assholes about it and <laughs> and made it so high profile. So I think the podcast does deserve three to five minutes um, as, as part of that. Because I, I do think without us, that probably doesn't happen. But as far as our interview parts, I think we need to be featured throughout the same way fucking everybody Just because, is. like, you know... Mike Wilbon and like Bob Ford would like get it wrong. They'd be wrong. Correct. And it'd be frustrating that they are, you know, I, I watched watching last dance and I trust what they're saying. Like, I believe like they're there and this is how it comes across. And they are interviewing like, you know, book, like whatever guys who are on the beat or uh, national guys that were obviously focused on Michael. But like, they, these guys would would not get it right. They would be absolutely be wrong about the things that they said, and you need us for that. I think so. I agree. Um, and then the second part: what would be each of your favorite stories featured in the documentary? Is there one story? Oh man! I mean, besides you know, ours, your own book had uh, "Tank to the Top" had a bunch of great stuff in there. The stuff that I didn't know. Um, mm-hmm. which was which is a great read. And I'm sure eventually Derek's book will come out that has additional stories that we didn't know if he ever gets Inky involved. Um, yeah, I mean, like, the the question is, like, how far are they willing to take the process, right? Like, if, if you right. look at the... If you use Last Dance as an example, like, the process could absolutely be, you know, like, some indeterminate season in the future... Maybe like the last season and Beat and Simmons play together, and we know that it's the last season or whatever. Like it's it's reaching a boiling point, and, and but they've already like maybe they've been to a finals or whatever it was, and hopefully that's the season that they win. And then you, I could see you flashing back to like, you know, times, you know, two thousand and thirteen, and it's like, mm-hmm. you know, Brad is shaking a point guard's hand and saying you're starting tonight, like that kind of stuff. Um, so I could see that. So I would love, I would love to extend it as as far as 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 I've said, like ship of Theseus wise, um, the process exists as long as Embiid is here. I think that is that is pretty clear. Um, what's our favorite story? There's so many bizarre ones. I uh, I would, I mean, I'd I'd love to do the, I'd love to see on television really, really like diving into uh, Colangelo's burners. I, I mean, you see a little bit, yeah. but I think people got, I think the national media got over that pretty quickly aside from like jokes here or there. You know, find, we find, have not. find new slant, collars, you know, occasionally yeah. someone has a burner, someone says like Colangelo, but like I feel like pretty quickly the national media moved on from actually discussing it. And so I would love to see like a well-edited, you know, Here's here's what happened, and everyone reacting to it the way that you know we're people reacting to Michael stuff in the last dance. It's hard to not pick the Colangelo burners. I think the only thing I would say, and it's hard for us to know 
what would be exposed that we didn't know already. If it is in the next two or three years, it's nothing good. I would like to know what the fuck happened with, even though I think I know, I, I just want to know the truth behind the, the Okafer yeah. pick. I just want to know from my own stomach, but it's really the Colangelo burners. There's no better story from the process. Um, I, I don't want to read these because I don't think it'll be great on the podcast. I just want to give the guy credit. You went on a rant about the Colangelo scandal like two pods ago, and you were like, what is weirder than this? And listener Dan wrote a list of like 10 things that are weirder than the Colangelo scandal if they happened, uh, including non-basketball and basketball. And they're all very weird, um, including it would be like finding out that the power of the Jedi is a real thing, but only two remain, Dave Chappelle and Mike Pence. Um, I just want to give him credit for coming up with the things that are weirder than the Colangelo scandal. <laughs> I don't know that I, 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 don't know that I agree. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. This comes from Paul. My first question is non-basketball related. What is the best pasta noodle? Mm. I don't know if you have an opinion on this, but I do. I like Italiatelli. I'm okay. a fan. Um, uh, I also like a farfalla. By far, my favorite is the bucatini, which, if you don't know, is the thicker spaghetti with the hole sort of in the yeah. middle. So like sort of a straw. I like that. Support sauce really well. I'm just, I'm a huge fan. Um, my second question is a little longer basketball related. In February, I bought a Simmons jersey, my, sir, my first Sixers jersey since I was a kid. Two days after I ordered the jersey, Ben missed that Thursday game with back soreness. I almost canceled the order, but told myself it's just a coincidence. Ben plays Saturday, re-injures his back, not playing another game the rest of the season. Before the season stopped, Joel missed five games out of the nine I bought the jersey. Richardson misses three. I thought the jersey was bad luck, and I should have obviously returned it. Obviously, through all of this, COVID-19 was starting to ramp up as well. Within a couple weeks span, I was going to concerts, and my first Sixers game since 2013. The concerts got canceled. My game was supposed to be uh, March 14th against TJ at the Pacers, which ultimately was the first Sixers game not played since the season stopped. Is the jersey bad luck? And if so, what do I do? Burn it, give it away. Uh... Thanks for doing the pod. Much love to you and your families during these tough times. It's not the jersey. If anything, it's us. Um, we will not, <laughs> I will not stand for someone else taking credit for any Sixers misfortune. Um, looking back on what has happened since we started the podcast, uh, it's pretty clear who's responsible for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, boy, we have so many more. All right, we'll do two more. Do two more. Um, oh, uh, I agree with you, by the way. It's not the jersey. Um, uh, from Russell, longtime listener from Virginia, occasional event attendee. Thanks for continuing to pump out unnecessary basketballish content during these times. By the way, it looks like the masks are starting to arrive for people. We're seeing lots of pictures. Yeah, we still haven't gotten ours, uh, though. Feels, uh, feels pretty pointed. Yeah, yeah. It seems, seems like uh, Crack Bell made a, made a decision, <laughs> and it was to send ours last. Um, my non-basketball question, obviously you can participate as well, is for Spike. On a scale of 1 to 10, how much joy do you derive from haters on social media? It's obvious the vitriol hasn't scared you off of your takes, and I can't tell whether you're just doing you or if the hatred feeds you and gives you strength. 
your takes are frequently terrible, but seeing all the internet fanboys melt down over your anti-JJ rants have been the best part of quarantining. Looking forward to buying an 87 Capital jersey. Um, that's from Russell. I fucking hate it, to be quite honest with you. Um, you you I definitely like, do. I, I hate it. I, like, it hurt. Like, I know this makes me sound like a... This is surprising, I guess, but personally, it bothers me. Um, I like to... I And I, I, you know, I think there are a lot of issues to it. I think, like, Twitter creates an atmosphere, which people are like this. I think our world is like this. But I think there's also something about me that is different from most people is that because of what I do and who I am, but what I do like for a profession, sort of like debating sports is everybody fucking argues and then everybody walks home smiling at the end where I am. And that was the way it was in high school, except for once Mark Miraglia threatened to beat the shit out of me, but I'm still friends with him. Um, we would argue all day about sports and we would laugh and, and move on. And it is when somebody brought it up on Twitter, something like when I compared Matisse Thibault to Robert Covington and everybody had like an eight hour meltdown about me. I just don't fucking get it. I, I just don't get why everybody gets so mad and gets personal. And that's what bothers me. Um, I think sports are fun and I understand that people take them seriously. I like, obviously I care. I just wish that people weren't so fucking mean. And that is not just to me, that's to anybody. I think of like you or Adam or AU or anybody I work with. Like I manage an entire group of sports personalities and I see like, just to make sure nobody fucks up on Twitter, I'm always looking at it and I see some of the responses. And like, you'd be surprised how many people say, you should fucking be fired or like, what are you talking about? Um, so that's, you love res- you I also guess, respond to them. I feel I I feel like I haven't responded yeah. to it anything like that in years. So what I don't do is respond continually. I I think like I will respond once now. That I guess that's how I've grown, and I don't respond to all of them. I mute a lot of yeah, them. Yeah, I'm quick on the mute um, for sure. Very quick, and not just if you disagree. I am f- oh, fucking sure. fine yeah. if you disagree. Um, that's the point. If there wasn't any disagreement, we wouldn't be able to do this. It would be pretty boring. Um, so I know people think because I continue to issue the opinions that I genuinely feel sometimes in a pointed way that I like that response. I don't. I like that people debate something. I like if I say something about Jimmy Butler and like half the people are saying I'm wrong and half the people are saying I'm right. But I really hate when people are fucking mean. I hate it. So. Sixers Adam posted a Jimmy Butler clip yesterday, and I watched it and made me sad. It should have worked. It, that he wasn't still here? I mean, it just that it just didn't work out. It didn't work, yeah. I, well, I mean, theoretically, if it had worked, it would have been great. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, real quick, this is from um, Sharif, who uh, was introduced to the pod from his good friend Eric. He said, I want to thank you for you both for your humility, honestly, and endless wonderful takes on the pod. I love how honest you guys are on the pod. It was makes it uh, relatable. First, I don't need to read the whole question. His basic question is, who do you think we would have matched up better with in, in an NBA final series, the Lakers or the Clippers? Um, I'd probably say the Lakers. I would agree because I just don't think they're as good. 
and I've seen Embiid destroy Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, the versatility of the Clippers and the amount of like wing players that they have would frighten. I also me, feel I yeah. I I also feel like the Clippers don't have a, a the Lakers have more big men to contend with Embiid actually. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely, but yeah, I'm less I'm less afraid of the Lakers guards. Um, yeah, I think they're obviously obviously they're both very good teams, but I, I think I'd, matchup wise, I'd I'd rather face the Lakers. My relationship wise, yeah, that'd be difficult. I, yeah, yeah, I I agree though. Uh, matchup wise, I'd definitely rather face the Lakers. Non basketball. Uh, still has to do with basketball, but oh well. First one's for Mike. Hearing throughout the years about your men's basketball league games and a little bit about how you play, I'm interested to hear if you were able to model your game after any current or former process sixer, who would it be? To further elaborate, which process sixer does your game translate to the most? In addition, if you could emulate any process sixer, what player would that be? So who's your game most similar to, I guess, and then who would you be if you could be anybody? Yeah. Um, it's MCW. It's pretty clear, um, as sad <laughs> as that is. Uh, I'm probably, obviously, like, comparatively, you know, a, a relative to the league. I'd say I'm probably a better passer than MCW is. Um, but my shot is streaky. Um, mm-hmm. And I like attacking the rim. And I play like long, longer than I am, and I'm pretty tough defensively. Um, I sometimes when they, I think I said this, but like I sometimes uh, when they drafted Fultz, I like I was was watching a lot of Fultz tapes. Did I just talk about this? Did we do this last podcast? Or am I saying what that I like model? That I started like playing a little bit like him. In my mind, you did mention. I did that. It. Okay. Yes, you mentioned um, it. Yep. We're, all the podcasts are blurring together, um, yeah. but there's a level of like kind of like fluidity to it. Um, and honestly, if I could play now, I'd probably try to do a little shake. And I, I'm, and defensively, I do. You know, M- Matisse is someone that I've even before they drafted him was someone I was trying to. Uh, I really like poking the ball out defensively. I love when people dribble near me because I I just get a hand in there. Sometimes I get called for a reach, but I really like when they are sloppy with the handle. My friend Aaron, who listens to Look. this podcast, uh, sometimes just refuses to dribble around me, which is always better, very complimentary to me. Love that. Um, this question is for Spike. I know you're a runner. What are your summer? What are some of your favorite places to run in Philly? When I used to live in the city, I used to love ending my runs under the art museum, this little nook not many people know about, where there was a statue of a gentleman fishing, and it was a perfect view of Boathouse Row. I know that spot. Um, love the pod. Um, so... I have like two sort of, I don't really have a favorite spot to run. Um, I, there are two things that I like running in places that I've never run before because I feel like it distracts you from running, just looking around at where you are. And, um, I also love running next to water. So the only place in Philly that I can really do that is MLK and West River Drive. Um, the few times I've run with my brother out in LA, um, running next to the beach is awesome. Um, I love doing that whenever we go on vacation. So I love running near water and I love running in, in places that are new. Um, and only because I said we would talk about it, I think it's a very good question. This comes from Matt. Um, I'm a high school teacher in my late 20s. 
Being a young teacher, I have a pretty good relationship with many of my students. I like to talk sports with them before and after class or if I run into them in a non-classroom setting. During quarantine, goat take mania seems to have taken a hold amongst the 15-year-old boy demographic because of the Jordan documentary and general boredom. Some of them have emailed me takes that are such utter garbage that I struggle to contain myself in replying to them. I've been told that Kobe is the goat. LeBron has never played against another, has never played with another good player. Jordan is the best leader, but not the best player, et cetera, et cetera. My question is this, at what age can we start to hold basketball fans accountable for their takes? Is there a take age of consent? And if so, have these 15-year-olds passed? I think there should be, I think 15 is about right, but there should also be a take age of consent on the flip side of like when you turn like 73 or something like that, like you, you, you can't be held liable for anything. Um <sighs> Because your just brain is too far into the past. I got I actually got into a pretty long argument with my dad about James Worthy <laughs> a couple a couple <laughs> days ago. I, I was I was like he's bad. He's not that good. He's Tobias Harris. He's Rudy Gay. He just happened to play on some of the best teams of all time. So all he had to do was fill a lane next to Magic Johnson and just like dunk and have nice layups and occasionally like a little turnaround. Um, I said that and he, and he played for the Lakers. So, you know, the, the bias of, especially in the 80s, of, like, major market teams, there's less of that now, but it's still pretty prevalent. I was saying, like, Alex English and Sidney Moncrief and even Dale Ellis are, like, better players that, that never got an opportunity to, you know, be stars because they weren't on those teams. Anyway, now that my dad, my dad is still within the age of consent, I don't think he's past it, but it was an argument that we got into. Um, yeah, I mean... I think you're you're people are dumb at all ages. So once you mm-hmm. once you engage in an argument around, I think fifteen is probably good. Um, you can be you can be schooled and held liable for it. Well, I think it's a lot like driving in that for you to be held accountable for your takes, both on the younger end and the older end, you should have to pass the test. That's that's and fair. I, I don't know what I don't know what that <laughs> test is. You know, some people mature older rather than younger. It took me to fucking 30. So, um, so that's where, where I'd be worried. And look, just be happy that these kids are, you're a teacher and these kids are fucking emailing you takes. I mean, that Very is nice. amazing. I love that. And um, boy, what was I going to say about what you just said about um, James Worthy? Um, oh, I'd like to give credit to Jack Fritz, who is carrying sort of a mantle for me. When I used to be on late at night on WIP, and that is when, when Mike and I met, one thing I would do every once in a while to amuse myself, and I think I only did it three times, partially because it amused me and partially because I kind of believe it, sort of like faking the moon landing, is that I would say that I don't really believe Wilt scored 100 points um, in that game. Certainly that, feasible. Yeah, and uh, you would definitely agree with this, given your your propensity for not believing things that happened before the year 2000, (laughs) is is that I just think it's a little shaky, and the hundreds a little exact, and I just... Pretty exact. Yeah. So I would get on the air and say it, and immediately fucking, like, there... I would like people, the older guys would be fucking really mad at me. So Jack on the air, they were talking about ESPN put out a list of the top 74 players and had Wilt at six. And Jack like on the air was talking with, with John Marks and Ike Reese was just like basically 
has parroted the 100-point thing, but has basically said that, like, Wilt is overrated because he's not a winner, and he got owned by Bill Russell, and how do you only win one title in your prime? And every time somebody came at him, he would just dismissively address them with a fact, whether it was related or not related. I just, I want to give credit to Jack for fighting the good fight against the Wilt people. Um, and apologize to Brian Pollock, who's a grant, who listens to the pod, is a very dedicated listener. His grandfather is Harvey Pollock, who actually recorded Wilt <laughs> scoring 100 points. But he could have looked away at some point. He could have had to pee. You know, yeah. He might have been like, eh, about 100. Probably just say 100, right? Perfect. Yeah. Come on, 100 sounds good, Looks right? good on paper. Um, my, favorite, my favorite moment from Jack was that after the 100-point game... John Marks mentioned, that, which happened in Hershey, that Wilt drove back to his house in New York. He was not living in Philadelphia. And Jack goes, he's basically J.J. Reddick. Just for you. Wow. <gasps> yeah, yeah. So congrats, Jack. Okay, thank you for all the emails. Remember to listen to Funkadelic's um, Maggot Brain. And uh, send us some poetry if you want to play um, Reddick Poetry or a Nephew Kyle lyric. Uh, are you down with TTP? Yeah, you know Lickface. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. But if you fuck with me, I'm gonna fucking kill you! That's a friend.